Hi, everyone, and welcome to All This and the Oscars 2 uh, AwardsDaily.com's podcast on the Oscar race. My name is Sasha Stone, and I run the awards site, AwardsDaily.com. And I'm here with three of our editors, uh, Ryan Adams, Clarence Moy, and Mark Johnson. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hello. So today we're going to start with, um, tonight we're going to go through a... Uh, a feature called front runners and their challengers so usually you know we'll just we we seem to have at our hands a, a wide open race none of the categories are decided except maybe the supporting actor categories but i think everything else is wide open but we can talk about which which um categories we think what the front runners are in each one and then what we think the main challengers are and if there are any dark horse possibilities of a surprise winner i know it's too early to predict all this because we haven't this is this is our snapshot before we head into the guilds which are at the end of this month and then we're really going to know what's going on i mean we might have one of those weird years where a different movie wins every guild like in 2015 which was so exciting to predict that year sometimes we have one movie winning everything sometimes we have one movie winning everything like 1917 only to be dethroned by Parasite at the SAG. So uh, the order of business is, I believe, the PGA goes first. No, the DGA goes first, uh, then the PGA, then the SAG. Um, okay. So, and if you win the PGA and the SAG, you pretty much got Best Picture locked up, I'd say. What do you guys think? Sounds good. Sounds good. I, I like that. Sounds like that. Okay, let's start with you, Mark. Um, what do you think about that in terms of which of these guilds do you put the most weight on? And but we can talk about the guilds, and then we can move into what we think are the front runners for now. Well, if I had to say which one I put the most weight in, I think I'd probably go with PGA as of late, just because of uh, they use the same preferential ballot, right? Mm-hmm. And they're they're one of the only awards bodies that that use that. So I think there's a lot a lot of overlap there and then of course sag is the actors and they have the biggest uh percent of the academy so it's hard to ignore that either so it's weird because dj i would have said you know maybe 10 years ago that would have been the one i would lean the most on but uh, i'd go pga i think if i had to pick just one to, to follow <clears throat> okay and um and uh uh clarence what do you think about which which guild do you think has the most uh, influence, and what do you why do you think that the SAG has so much influence of late? Do you think it's just the placement that it's the last guild before the Oscars? Well, I think, and it's funny that you ask me that question because I think that is what I was going to say was the most influential because it, it is the last one. It is the most heavily televised one. It's the one that, that kind of gets, as we've seen in the past couple of years, gets that momentum going in terms of a a winner that you really want to um, or to root for. So you know, Parasite getting up there, winning SAG, you know, and and the crowd leaping to their feet. Well, there was there was no way 1917 was going to co- overcome that you know, right. you know um same thing with coda last year right so getting that that you know all deaf cast up there on that stage and signing um you know your your applause or you know doing the hand the, the uh, silent clap or the sign language clapping um you know it was just it just gave people a, a rooting factor and again it's it's heavily televised i mean yes it's the pga is probably 
um, with its preferential ballot, a more predictive measure. But I think SAG is more influential because people will see it. People participate in it. It is heavily covered. It's on news channels, you know, who these winners are. You get the speeches and it it's there last right days before voting window starts. Mm. That's a good answer. Um, Ryan, what do you think accounts for the fact that the DGA has become less influential over time do you think it's just because they've split they've decoupled best picture with uh with best director because of the preferential ballot um i'm not sure dj is probably my favorite of the guilds personally but uh mark and Marcus have both given us such good answers if i tried to rank them between the between the three of them I, I would just be paraphrasing what they said already but i do think that it's correct that even though dga for me is most significant and even most prestigious i do think that preferential i mean the um, the, the uh, producers guild is of course um a good parallel because of preferential ballot and i agree with clarence that in especially in, in today's climate it seems like the sag um awards are the most social media friendly and so they and the most and and I, as much as i hate to say that that plays a part you can't deny it and so i do think the fact that it's televised and so many people are more tuned into it than they are the other two i think that yeah uh, i'm but, not sure that the decoupling really i don't know i wouldn't i have to think about it to know how if that had any effect on it hmm. okay. so i i want to come back i i agree with what you guys are both saying like i think i think sag is probably the most if you want to say influential because it's the most broadly seen it is the actors which again makes up the biggest percentage but do you want to hear the stats since the preferential ballot so since um the hurt locker as sure. far yes, as matching please. up with best picture so 13 years there's been 13 winners since the preferential ballot started with the hurt locker year right 2009 um SAG winner for Ensemble has matched up with Best Picture six times in that 13 years, DGA seven times in that 13 years, and PGA 10 times in that 13 years. And even more recent than that, SAG only matched with Best Picture two out of the last six years, DGA three out of the last nine, and PGA four out of the last five. So over the preferential ballot era, it's, PGA has definitely been the most indicative i think was what clarence said and that's the right word of what's going to win best picture and even if you look at a shorter window it's it's even more so mm. yeah and the reason for that obviously is that they have the basically eight thousand or nine thousand voters so does the academy they have a solid 10 nominees so does the academy now they didn't used to but they do now right and they are relatively the same demographic give or take the acting branch which can sometimes make the difference um, I will just add to what Ryan was saying about the DGA in terms of social media. I do remember how, what a big deal it was. I mean, Bong Joon-ho was really the, the, you know, the life of the party through that whole season. Mm -hmm. But I do remember him filming at the DGA Awards, filming Tarantino, because he was so excited <laughs> to be nominated with Tarantino and Martin Scorsese and, all, and, and him filming them with his cell phone yeah. went viral. And it was just mm -hmm. one of the ways that people sort of fell in love with him, you know. So you can have a viral moment like that if you're somebody as charismatic as yeah. him and, and not many that's, directors are. And that, right. And that started really, I think, with Telluride, at least at least that I saw, because um, that that night, that 
2019 was the first time I got to go to that patrons brunch and he had so many people wanting to meet him and, and around him. And I didn't really even know who he was, honestly, at the time. Um, I wasn't familiar with his work, but I, I, I'll never forget like seeing that with, you know, Scorsese was there and other, other folks, uh, big names were there. So it was kind of impressive just how he, uh, his charisma, I guess, was mm-hmm. just something people latched onto. Really? Definitely they did. Um, okay, so that with all of that said, that we know that the guilds are going to change this race as we're seeing it now. As we come into the race, we've had some major winners with Fableman's goes to Toronto, Golden Globes goes to Fableman's, and to Banshees beating everything everywhere all at once. And I think to me, I was really surprised that Tar won the london film critics now i know it's critics and so they always pick what the critics pick but london is a little bit different um london really matches with bafta a lot of the time and it doesn't mean bafta doesn't match with oscar necessarily because they have five nominees for best picture and they don't use a preferential ballot so they tend to pick movies like roma or uh the revenant or la la land and you don't see the same effect uh as as you see um over in the United States with, with the kind of movies that win. However, I do think it's, it's, it, I expected everything everywhere all at once to win in London and then win the BAFTA, but it didn't. And so that to me was really surprising. I don't know if anybody else feels that way, but it, it sort of, uh, I found it to be, and, and Banshees had a good showing there too, but Tar won. Yeah, Banshees did real well. Yeah, they did really mm-hmm. I think well. that was a surprise to me is that Banshees didn't, wasn't the big winner. I was not so surprised that Everything Everywhere did not win, but what I expected to win would be Banshees. Hmm. Yeah, it won three out of the four acting categories and screenplay. So I I was kind of surprised as well to see Banshees not do well over there. Or not not do well, but not win picture Hmm. at least. Right. Well, it's obvious that they really like Tar. And I feel like if any yeah, movie is yeah. going to have headwind here towards the end, it's, there's always one movie that starts to pick up steam. And I didn't know which yeah. movie that was going to be this year, but I think it might be Tar picking up some steam. Could be wrong, but I, I, I was yeah. surprised we by call that. call that the Adams effect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Adams yeah. effect. Yeah, blame me. Blame me. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, and Tar did pretty well with the precursors, too. The, the biggest thing it missed was SAG, but otherwise it did pretty well. PJ, DJ, Ace, WG, etc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And cinematography and editing nomination. That yeah. would be the one that I'd be worried about because, and, and it's a weird year because as usual, we have all of the heat in the original screenplay category. So we have Tar, Banshees, yeah. uh, uh, Everything Everywhere, and Fableman's, all original screenplays with their directors also nominated. So oh, that's awesome. unusual. Really unusual. In fact, yeah. I haven't looked at the stats, but I think it's unusual to have a five-five pairing like that. Um, but only one can win, obviously. So I was thinking Banshees, but I'm starting to think Tar might pull forward there. Um, I don't know. We'll see. But um, I think Banshees. Obviously, I think they're both great screenplays. By the way, I, I, the more I watch Tar, the more I appreciate it uh, oh, yeah. from a writing perspective. Um, both of those are so dark, and we all like really dark. but you know tar is very intricate and 
it takes time to figure it all out. Like there, every time I watch it, I notice a new line that I didn't notice the first time or a new observation or something they talk about that, that wasn't readily apparent to me. Whereas I think with Banshees, I find, I feel like it's kind of a movie that rises to the surface. All it was, it's beautifully written, perfectly executed. But with Tar, I felt like I missed a lot of it, you know, because I just didn't, I don't know, I didn't catch the certain little tiny things that she says and does that reflect the kind of person that she is, which isn't a very nice person. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Oh, absolutely not. I think I, I didn't even really, that the first time I saw it, it didn't really occur to me how really not nice she was yeah. until she decided to go bully the child at the school. You right. know, I mean, an adult, I mean, even though we don't know whether or not, how, how much, to what degree that child was actually bullying her own daughter we don't know but all we know is that an adult went and like tried to play mind games with this little child and traumatized this child by what she was saying she does she terrorizes her and it's interesting because it took me a really long time to figure out what had happened with krista like i kept wondering what happened Mm -hmm. did 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 she make a pass at krista and krista refused her advances and then she punished her afterwards or did she have a relationship with Krista. Then she tried to discard her because she got bored with her and Krista kept taking it too seriously. And then she punished her, but whatever it is, that's what I think she hurt. She hurt the assistant so badly because they say at one point, they say we were a threesome. And then she says, there's, there's weird, three weird things that happened with the assistant. She says we were a threesome. And then she says, about Krista she says she wasn't one of us what the hell does that mean and then she says Mm. um, you know and then she she says she wasn't one of us and and just says to her can you hold me or I need somebody to hold me Kate Blanchett says this isn't the place for that which indicates that they probably had some kind of sexual affair at some point right Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. she's insinuating that she wants some physical affection and she's saying this isn't the place for it but whatever it is, she goes, she just runs through people like without care. Like she really, and I, it finally catches up with her. So anyway, all that stuff, I'm just starting to notice. It's a fascinating portrait of this person. Um, and, and it brings up the same conversation that Banshees does. They're both dealing with the same sort of basic principle, the basic question of does niceness matter or does genius matter? You know, does it matter if you leave great works of art you know and 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 is that your impact as a human like he says in that movie well that's the only thing that matters and he says nobody's going to care if you were nice um but both movies seem to be asking that question what is more valuable you know uh anyway blah 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 but no it's really good stuff i like it i mean we we said but we said a long time ago that we might do an entire podcast about yeah oh, exactly maybe, maybe we'll still we'll, we'll <laughs> Uh, but anyway, the bottom line is I have no idea what's going to win original screenplay at this rate because they're they're mm-hmm. so good, both of them. Do you think, though, just with trends of late, that whatever you pick for picture, you'll pick there as well? I was thinking about that. And um, mm-hmm. right now I'm not predicting it that way. I'm predicting everything everywhere for Best Picture because I don't know what's going to win Best Picture. Top Gun could win Best right. Picture. And I'm predicting Banshees for screenplay, and I'm predicting Fablemans for director. But I don't think Tar is just going to win Kate Blanchett. It's just a sense I get. But we'll see how that goes. At any rate, I am predicting it that way because I don't know what's going to win what. Um, but yeah, history tells us that they have to win picture yeah. or the only time that didn't happen was the first year I started, which was Gladiator, 
which didn't win screenplay or director and still won Best Picture. And we have said that the, the Academy now, they do like to spread the wealth. And it, sometimes if they're not going to give an Oscar to the director, it's unusual this year that we have the, the three strongest screenplays are also written by the directors. Exactly. The, mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And so they could they could they could um, make sure that someone goes home with an Oscar that way. Yeah, it's just Even getting if, their know, getting their ducks in a row to figure that out, right? It's yeah, intricate. Right, yeah, yeah. Next thing you know, two black actresses are getting left off the best <laughs> I actress know, list. Right, uh-huh. I mean, they have to have it all planned out, and usually that's where the, the guilds come in um, early. Um, all right, so let's just go through it. Um, let's go, unless you guys have something else you want to add before we move on. No, that's good. Well, let's do uh, while we're on screenplay, I, I know you might you might not want to talk about it, but do, do we want to say anything about the fact that it looks like Top Gun has dropped out of the scripter petition or not? Um, or yeah, I, we... I, I, uh, people are, you know, I just the first thing I thought when I saw that was shenanigans, you know, like someone's yeah, threatened that's... by Top Gun or trying to knock it out of competition, and I just don't know who that would be because I don't know who thinks they're the front runner right now. But, uh, yeah, but I, I I thought that too. We'll go ahead finish. Oh no, I was just going to say, you... but but yeah, there is a copyright lawsuit and this and that, and and they, they don't expect. I mean, they could have won there. They could have won and and defeated Women Talking. It's possible that mm-hmm. the mem- momentum could have started there. Um. So, and but you know, uh, nobody would ever agree with me on that. But I definitely think that Top Gun was and remains a threat uh, to the top awards only because of the state of hollywood not necessarily based on i think it could end up being the movie that most people can agree that they like as opposed to all these different Mm -hmm. ways that people are fractured up and just kind of get the lion's share of the votes but and and the scripter it hurts it in terms of what's the writer what are the writers guilds gonna do now you know are they gonna take it away too i i i hope that they think that they consider what you said that you just um, mentioned in passing that they realize that it may be just a copyright issue that the studio just wants to avoid that and they're not going to hold it against the screenwriter just because it's a financial thing the studio is making a decision and to be specific for the listeners who may not know because i only really found out about it today it it appears that the original the the uh, um, relatives the original author of the original magazine article the rights to that magazine article reverted to his relatives, and they have decided that they um, should be getting credit and financial remuneration, recuperation, or uh, or or the screenplay if it's if especially if they're going to be saying that it was based on, on right. the original magazine article. Right. And so Paramount. This, you know, oh, so I see. So that that, that would only affect the scripter then. It wouldn't affect the Writers Guild because they don't have to say what the source material is. At the Writers Guild, exactly. the, the scripter yeah. honors mm-hmm. both the yeah. source material and the the uh, screenplay, so they would have to they would mm-hmm. have to take it out if they're going to change the credits and there's going to be a dispute at the WGA, which it sounds like there's going to be. But that but that does hurt a movie. It, it definitely hurt up in the air when uh, Jason Reitman decided to go after sole credit, which was like the dumbest thing anybody has ever done in the Oscar race, <laughs> like ever. Mm-hmm. But uh, and I think yeah. it killed his but chances I, again. Um, like you said. It's a little bit different here because it's not as if the original, the relatives of the original magazine article are saying that the magazine writer had anything at all to do with the screenplay because he never did. 
he never had anything to do with either. Of the no, but the plays. scripture honors just based the, on source, his, yeah. the source mm -hmm. material yeah. too. So that's why they had to take it out. But the Writers Guild, that doesn't affect sure. them. Um, but you can yeah. see people out there trying to make a bigger story of it than it actually is. You can see it because they want mm -hmm. to take Top Gun out yeah. of competition yeah. just to make it easier for them. All right, so let's uh, <laughs> let's go with... Uh, by the way, it does turn out to be just, you know, the a good year for at least the top five movies that are in the race, that they're really good films, um, I think. So uh, I'm excited about that. And, and any one of them that wins will be a good winner. There's not a stinker in the bunch, really. Um, yeah. All right. right. So let's start with, we'll start with Best Picture. And um, who wants to do the front runner and who wants to do the challenger? Challengers. Mark, why don't you do the front runners? Front runner, front runner, based on your stats and yeah. your chart that you made. Uh, so front runner right now, I think, has to be everything everywhere all at once to win picture because it's got all the right precursors it needs. Um, and I don't know, it's so early in the game, it's hard to say what much other than that of why it is. Um, but, you know, I think it, it meets a lot of the things that we we look for. There's a lot of acting in it. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's, I guess that's, I don't have as much to say as I might've thought on that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's what I would say the front runner is. And then you want the challenger that I think is most likely to upset it. Sure. Is that what, is that what we're doing? Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Go for it. Okay. So next I would say is Banshees. That's, that's the movie that I would place right behind it again. Like everything everywhere. It has PG, DJ, SAG and ACE. Uh, those are the only two films to have those four items. And then they also hit in all three categories of picture director screenplay with Globes, Critics' Choice, and BAFTA. So they, those two seem to me to be the two out front pretty good right now. So um, the, the thing about that is that Coda had... <laughs> no DGA. <laughs> no, no Coda had not. Coda broke all the rules. Though. No editor. Coda was, Oscar. Coda was nuts. And then it still <laughs> won Best Picture. So, uh, that that kills the editing stat dead. Like, it's I know, just right? done. So, who knows anything anymore? <laughs> who knows anything anymore? But logic would dictate that more people that like a certain movie. The problem is, is we do yeah. not know as of yet what thousands of people like the only awards we've seen so far are what hundreds of people like and these big yeah. guild awards are going to show us what thousands of people like and we just don't know the answer to that yet we have box office we have reviews but phase two is a whole new ball game everybody watches the movies thinks about them maybe they didn't even watch them before you know right i am right. struck by london not even giving one prize to he uh he kwan or 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 you know any of the the people from from that movie it didn't win anything so i thought that was a little bit strange uh shouldn't it have won at least something one prize if it was the front runner to win um is london is london all that predict uh it, it, it is isn't a big precursor it is in terms of what the bafta does it, it's definitely okay. linked up it's not so much okay. an influence of the oscars but sometimes the bafta can influence the oscars so that's why yeah, i sure. why i watch london and that's the only reason they, they tend to be more mainstream i think than most critics groups and certainly they they you know they are almost 
identical to the BAFTAs a lot of years. Um, so I'll be okay. curious to see how that goes, the BAFTAs, um, what they're going to pick for, for Best Picture. But uh, what do you guys think, Ryan? What do you think is the main challenger? Do you agree that Everything Everywhere is the frontrunner to win? And, and if so, what do you think the challenger would be? Oh, let me go back. I thought we were going to move on to another category. So oh, I was already trying that's to okay. prepare we myself to because I got called. No, that's fine. No, let me let me just go back and try to think. I'm not so sure about everything everywhere being the front runner. Um, but on the other hand, it's really hard to say what would be what would even be. But I might feel like I'm a foot on the spot a little bit. Um, because, that's okay. You know, we, we can go. I, we can I just want to say that Tar's a front runner and. and for picture and director, but that's probably not right. Um, it may, I, I'm thinking maybe Banshees might be the the front runner, honestly. Yeah, I mean it's hard to tell, right? Because the the internet tells us that it's everything everywhere, but we don't have a lot of proof of that. We have the Critics' Choice, and that's it. You know, we don't. It doesn't. It hasn't won anything major yet, other than that, and and they're not to be trusted. I don't think because they're basically film Twitter, but, um, but it's interesting because it's you, the, the, the front runner status of everything everywhere feels contrived in a way to me, but it could turn out to be right. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Clarence, what do you, would you say would be the front runner and the ch main challengers? I mean, I, I tend to agree with Mark. Um, I do think it is everything everywhere all at once at this point, but, I mean, that's just based off of everything that you've just said, which is a bunch of critics weighing in. Um, Banshees is probably the biggest challenger. And the, it's, it's, I think the Fablemans was, and I know Coda didn't get that ACE nomination, or uh, it, did, it didn't get an ACE nomination, right? That's no, what you said. it didn't. Yeah. So Fablemans didn't either. I don't think the Fablemans is a coda type film to overcome that. I don't think that film is like a, a sh it's, it's a brilliantly made film, but it's not that sort of envelop you in a warm hug film, right? right. That you just want to, you just can't resist voting for it. Um, it may be uh, Top Gun. If we're throwing out all the stats, right, it may be Top Gun because it may be that movie that that at least everybody likes. Everybody had a good time. It's a two or three on a ballot. And uh, maybe everybody else has a, a different one and, and it amasses enough votes on a on a third or fourth round to pull ahead. Well, it did get... I'm looking at our... At our... Go ahead. It did get it did win movies for grownups at the uh, at the AARP, but that doesn't really matter. <laughs> yes, it did. Well, there you go. But I think that it, well, it's also uh, Rotten Tomatoes um, best film of the year. I think they just announced that the other day. Oh, wow. wow. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's it's a hard argument against Top Gun just because it's so everybody likes it so much. And I think that if you're annoyed with the Oscars in general. This year, you might just do a protest vote and pick that movie as a way to just, you know, we like this movie, we're going to reward it. Um, the only sticking point with that is the actors. The actors drive this right. thing, and whatever they like, that's what's going to get in. And so you would have expected something from Tom Cruise or, you know, something from Top Gun, but uh, but it didn't go that way. So, I mean, I, th I think it can happen. I just think that there's... You know, Parasite is a good example of something that didn't have any acting nominations, but it did win the SAG Ensemble. But you could really feel the buzz 
after all this stuff with with uh, best actress and and the race conversation bubbling up again, I'm not sure that they're gonna embrace Top Gun the way that they might have otherwise had that not happened. I think that helps everything everywhere to be the non-white movie and and helps helps people to want to to award something that's not going to get them terrible headlines the next day. Mm-hmm. Just a couple of weeks ago, when we finally finalized our, our Oscar squad chart, I'm looking at that now. It looks like every single one of us across the board all have everything everywhere yeah. as the number one front runner pick. Only uh, the, just Ben Morris. Our friend ben Morris is the only uh, dissenter who had it, at, uh, who has Fableman's at number one and everything mm-hmm. everywhere at number two. So, even I had it, so I mean, I I have to. I don't even know what I was thinking. <laughs> well, in the I, old days, it would have been the number one because in the old days they were married, best picture and best director, and so there would only be five movies. And mm-hmm. if Spielberg was winning best director, let's move on to best director next. Um, I think I still think Spielberg can pull it out. What do you guys think? Do you think that there's another director? Do you think that the Daniels are by default they got to win something? If it's going to win best picture, they're either going to win director or screenplay. So uh, what do you That's guys why think? I think they may win screenplay, but because yeah. I don't, I, I think it seems like lately directors are almost, uh, it's, yes. uh, it's, uh, it has a lot to do with personality and celebrity. And I don't, I haven't, I haven't, I'm not getting the feeling as likable as they are, that they are really likable to the point where they would be as legendary likable as Spielberg is. So you may be right about that. Right. About your, your Clarence. Um, I, I just, yeah, I, I, I think it's probably, I mean, I think maybe I put the Daniels on, um, the last Oscar squad, but I, I'm going, I, every day I go back and forth because I, I have a hard time with the Academy awarding a directing duo, right? So they, they wouldn't even nominate the directing duo behind Little Miss Sunshine. They did, the Daniels mm-hmm. did get nominated because their vision for this film is undeniable, but this is their second movie. And, you know, it's two people working together. They're brand new. Um, I don't know if you saw them at the Critics' Choice. They're, they're very affable, likable guys, but they're, you know, mm-hmm. they're not super cool. <laughs> you know, they're kind of they're kind mm-hmm. of funny, ad- adorkable. As, they're as, like uh, us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I just, I don't, I don't know that I feel that, I, I keep going back and forth on it. I'm being very indecisive on this particular category, but today... I think um, how can you deny Spielberg sharing his personal memories and 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 going down this this um, this this path that has roots in in you know uh, Italian cinema and in, in Fellini and stuff like that. I mean, it's it's. I think this is a bigger feat um, that people will want to reward. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and it, may, it might be easier to think about it in terms of what's going to win the DGA. Because whoever wins the directing Oscar, other than, you know, 1917 Bong Joon-ho year, notwithstanding, anything can happen. But for the most part, generally speaking, the, the DGA winner wins the Best Director Oscar at the very least. It used to be the Best Picture winner, too, but not anymore. So whatever wins the... I would just die if the guy, Joseph Kaczynski, won that for Top Gun. <laughs> I would just die. And, you know, it is possible because the DGA is sure. such a big group. And it might be when we finally see the awards, it's the first guild we're going to see. And when we see all of those thousands of people together, what they pick, what they like, maybe they pick Top Gun. 
you know, yeah. but I, I, I do feel my instincts are telling me that Spielberg wins his third Oscar and makes history and mainly because people love him, but also because the last scene in that movie is so great. And I think that that carries it through, but I, it's something he's going to have to work for. Unfortunately, I don't think it's going to be one of those mm-hmm. things where he just, you know, he can, he can sit back and, and it'll win. Like I think Sam Mendes, one of his problems that year with 1917 was he just refused to campaign. It just seemed like to him, it was sort of the work should speak for itself. It's sort of how he, but compare that to what right. Bong, Bong Joon-ho was doing. Like, you know, he was at every party. He was, you know, literally, he wouldn't even went to the HCA awards that year. And they weren't even big then. Um, so he, you know, uh, when are those, by the way? February. February the 24th. Yeah, 24th. Yeah. Oh, okay. So those are coming in, um, right? One more. Yeah. No, I was going to say one more thing about Spielberg. Not only did he, did he just was generous enough to tell us about his, his, early life and his family and his childhood, but he went to a really dark place, told us things that I don't think anyone would have expected anyone to reveal about, about his family. I mean, there's no, it wasn't at all necessary for him to go to do that. I mean, I don't think anyone had any idea. Right. Mm. And so it's not just like a nostalgic golden glow kind of, kind of reminiscence about his childhood, but it was, it, it took some dark, really dark turns there. And I just want to mention in passing, you mentioned about the Academy awarding two different directors for the same time. I'm sure you know, Clarence, and everyone probably knows, but I'll just mention it anyway. That did happen with West Side Story in 1962, was it? Robert Wise and Jerome Robbins both won for Best Director. Well, the Coens both won, too, for for No Country. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Of course, we just think of them as like a unit almost. But yeah, you're (laughs) right. Just one person. Yeah. This one person. This. They are special, though. But what? He, but the point, you know, the mm-hmm. Daniels haven't earned that. My my problem with that win is that I think if we're looking at that kind of a movie, Parasite won in London, and I know London seems like no big deal or whatever. But if this movie, mm-hmm. everything everywhere has been out long enough and around long enough that it would be getting that kind of reverential vote if it was going to come and win the Best Director Oscar and the best, you know. Uh, I, I don't know that there's anything about that movie that can change between now and then. Um, even the woke stuff, I think, is is compelling, and I think it'll help it a lot. I still think in London it should have won something there. It wasn't even competitive, even a little bit. And that strikes me, and it seems like it might have peaked earlier, uh, and now it's not peaking. Like, Tar is just starting to come into its strongest moment right now. These people are just starting to talk about it and it's starting to gain momentum. But I think everything everywhere might have, have power of the dog syndrome where it, its momentum started a little bit too early and might not be able to carry all the way through. I could be wrong, but I think in terms of winning two directors, I think the Coens are, you know, if you're going to decouple picture and director and you're just going to give best direct, it's going to be like it was with Jane Campion. It's just going to be a singular award. For somebody whose work, I think, in my opinion, the biggest challenger is, is Todd Fields for Tar mm-hmm. on that prize. Mm-hmm. And if Tar right. wins and Best for Director... for the same sort of reason as... Sorry. Um, Go ahead. I'm sorry. If Tar wins Best Director, then you really are looking at a year like the year 2000 where Gladiator won Best Picture if Top Gun wins. Steven Soderbergh won Best Director for Traffic. And... Uh, 
forget what the third one was. Uh, Gladiator, Steven Soderbergh. Was it Crouching Tiger? Crouching Tiger won the DGA. Yeah, Yeah, that won the DGA. And then Traffic won screenplay. So Traffic won screenplay and director. Gladiator won actor and picture. Um, mm-hmm. And then Aaron Brockovich won. It, like that was a really weird. Oh year. yeah, Aaron Brockovich. But I could yep. see, I could see this year being like Todd Field wins Best Director, and then Top Gun wins Best Picture, and then Banshees wins. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, anyway, so let's move on to Best Actor. Um, basically, the bottom line is, dear listeners, is we don't know anything until we see what the guilds are going to do. It's just mm-hmm. totally wide open. We have no clue. We have to. We don't even know what a consensus thinks at this point. We have to wait to see what any consensus thinks. Speak for yourself. I know everything at this point. So <laughs> I'll just say one. You know, I I, I got to say one more thing about Tar though and Todd Field. Sometimes it does seem like when the when the director is decoupled, they go for a director who has directed what is regarded as sort of a highbrow movie. Yes. I think that's what happened with Power of the Dog. And I think Tar would be the highbrow movie this year. I agree. And I think that I'm I'm sensing and have been for a long time that this is the respect the film snobs choice. Like the best mm. direct like uh, Martin Scorsese was out there talking about it. And you know, I feel like it's got yeah. it's got that kind of cred. And also if you watch it, I mean it's it's um you know it's it's like Clarence says it's not a warm hug of a movie, but from a directing standpoint, and I mean, it's, you know, it's quite something. It's, it's very, I think for directors, they would find it very challenging and interesting because he plays with so many different, um, I don't know what the word is. I don't want to say motif. That sounds so um, pretentious, but, mm-hmm. but, you know, like somebody screaming in the forest or like her weird dreams that she has, or, you know, the way he puts in imagery, like when she, um, when she encounters the dog in the um, in the basement, it's sort of like a foreshadowing of what she chases after is going to get her into trouble. And then she's coming up and she literally falls on her face, which is a metaphor for what happens in the film. She falls flat on her face, like figuratively mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. literally. And it's mm-hmm. just it's just stuffed full of things like that. And I think directors really appreciate that, especially Scorsese types, you know. All right, best actor, Clarence, you're up. Let's hear your thoughts on best actor. This is like one of the hardest categories right now. I'm I'm still in the um, Austin Butler is the front runner camp, um, I, and and you know even just today uh, or this this week, there's been um, Brendan Fraser's out doing the circuit and he's talking to Howard Stern and he's yet again regurgitating how much he hates the golden globes and how that's <laughs> the golden globe is just a hood ornament um and they didn't you know he didn't need that award they needed him to be there and he refused to be there and i don't know it's just it, i don't know if it anybody else had this impact but it just it, the whole conversation just rubbed me the wrong way i mean you know if if it didn't matter you to you that much then why are you continuing to go down this path i think it's a yeah. tough movie to sit through um and I think Austin Butler just has this transformative um, performance where he became Elvis Presley. And I think degree of difficulty is higher there. It's not to say that Brendan Fraser is not good in The Whale. I'm not saying that. But I think Austin Butler becoming an icon like Elvis, clearly they like people who are becoming icons because they nominated uh, Ana Darmus for playing Marilyn Monroe in Blonde. Um, I, I, I think he is the front runner. I think, if, but I think if anybody is the spoiler, it is Colin Farrell, um, not Brendan Fraser, because Colin Farrell and Austin Butler are both in films that are nominated for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I worry about with Brendan Fraser is the standing ovation at the SAG. Like, is, is that going to happen? Because are they going to be going for that because they like the comeback performance and they want to see him cry? And you know, uh, Austin Butler is sort of. I mean, of- I don't. I don't. Sorry, go ahead. It's okay. I was just going to say Austin Butler's sort of a uh, newbie on the scene. And um, a lot of times they, they tend to not go for the newbies like that if they don't really know them very well and they don't know their work. Um, so there is a quality in the acting occupation and the industry overall, a magnanimous a desire to be magnanimous, a desire to be charitable, a desire to do something good with your vote. And I feel like if, 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 if Elvis has anything going for it, it's, it's the Lisa Marie factor. If Austin Butler could just get on stage and talk about that, then, you know, there'll be not a dry eye in the house. But if Brendan Fraser gets up there at the SAG and he starts crying, um, he can't lose the Oscar, right? There's no way he'll lose it if that happens. Uh, And Colin Farrell is the guy that the SAG voters know and the SAG voters like. And Banshees did really well there. Banshees did very, very well. So, but, you know, what do you guys think is going to win ensemble at the SAG? I think Banshees has a good shot there, even though the the wisdom says it's it's everything everywhere all at once is going to win. Oh, I think Banshees too, for sure, because I, that, but just because of the way the screenplay is written, to give they every role is so excellent, and and in some places they've the entire cast has been nominated, you know, by other groups. Yeah, Mark, do you agree with that? Yeah. Are you still awake? <laughs> is Mark still? Oh, Mark's not there. Uh oh, we lost Mark. That's bad. I'm muted. I'm oh, an there idiot. he is. I'm sitting there. here. I'm <laughs> muted because my kids are being loud, and then I'm sitting here talking, and just like <laughs> I'm in the office. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know SAG yet. I can't. I. I don't know why I can't pull myself away from thinking women talking still has a chance there, which I know probably seems like a stretch. So, yeah, I could see Banshees winning SAG. I don't know. That's tough. Yeah, it's it's tough to 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 know. Uh, which direction that one's going to go, where the stand, because, you know, SAG is 150,000 voters. That's a lot. So you're going to really get the majority opinion there. And and I'm not sure everything everywhere is a majority opinion movie. Maybe it is. Um, I guess we'll see. But um, all right. So I guess you guys have a hard out coming up here pretty quick, right? It's 530. We finished maybe the main categories here. Alrighty, and we didn't do questions this time, right? No, no we did not. Okay, we yeah, because we're just going to barely be able to cover these. So, all right, so we've we pretty much talked about original screenplays. Speaking of women talking, that movie seems like it could catch some last-minute headwind, and, you know, what if it does win the SAG and it gets a standing ovation? Does that change anything in the Oscars? I, I think it might solidify it for adapted at that point, or at least put it in. in I, I, I still think it's the front runner and adapted, but um, yeah, a SAG ensemble win would definitely help that. I think it's got to win adapted because women 
it's just like with mm -hmm. the best actress category women the big story is how many women got shut out this year and this gives them a chance to give a, a win to a female you know to a female writer otherwise i think top gun has it it's you know and then if it wins best picture if it's not winning best picture then it won't win adapted screenplay obviously um but it's it's tough to bet against women talking at this point for that yeah. um all right supporting actor and actress do we think those are just locked yeah pretty i mean those are probably the easiest races to call right now i mean kihi kwan's swept the entire season it seems like right mm -hmm. yeah i know we're not to the major awards but he's he's at least won critics choice globes and a whole slew of critics awards so it's pretty good and you know good for him it's going to be fun watching him win an oscar i tell you that's my yeah, moment i'm looking be, forward yeah. to he gave such a great speech yeah. at the globes really the best speech i thought of the night um, and we think Angela Bassett's probably going to, especially after what's happened with the Best Actress race, um, Angela Bassett's yeah. going to win that. All right, yeah. so that leaves yeah. us just with Best Actress to talk about. Sorry about my dog barking in the background. I don't know what she's barking at, but <laughs> um, what do you guys think? Dun, dun, dun. Kate Blanchett mm -hmm. probably wins it, right? Or do you think it's uh, Michelle Yeoh? Or somebody else? I still have Yeoh. Yeah. Anybody else? I just think it's, it's a coin toss, really. I love them yeah. both. And I love, yeah, um, I'd be happy for either of them, just equally happy. Clarence? Yeah, I have, um, I have Michelle Yeoh, but it's a, it's a 51-49 thing, right? So, because yeah. Kate Blanchett is, is, I mean, she gives an iconic performance, right? That it, it's, it's so hard. I mean, it's, Sorry I thought Michelle Yeoh was going to walk away with it all year, and then Kate Blanchett's there. So, um, I'm sorry about my dog. Please forgive me. She won't stop. Okay. Um, we love dogs. Sorry. Dude, totally it's fine. adorable. And I don't want to yell at her. Uh, uh, anyway, no, no. so no. um, no, no, that's fine. I'm predicting Kate Blanchett, and that's only because I think she gave the best performance, and so it's hard for me not to predict her to win it. I know she's winning her third Oscar. I get it. But it's such a masterful performance. I mean, it is like a once in a decade type of brilliance. Mm -hmm. So it'll shock me if she doesn't win it. Um, I do. I can see Michelle Yeoh, who's waited a lifetime to win an Oscar. But and this is this is a very controversial thing to say, and it always gets me attacked. But I'll say it anyway. I don't think she she sold it very well at the Globes. I have to say, and that I know you know she's a, you know she has a hard time in the industry, and she's worked really hard, and you know she she didn't get appreciated for any of the great work she's done throughout her career. But all the same, these awards are about how they make people feel when they. And then by the same token, Kate Blanchett didn't do herself any favors with her speech at the Critics' Choice, where she basically said, "I we should just do away with all awards." <laughs> Right. So they kind of even evened it out in that way. They both gave those kind of like, remember, um, Jane Campion, I think, really hurt the film's chances when she had that dust up. Nobody had that kind of controversy at the Critics' Choice this time. But I think that Kate Blanchett made news, you know, with her speech. And I think Michelle Yeoh left people feeling a little, Meh. it wasn't quite what they were hoping. It wasn't Kihi Kwan's speech, in other words, which was just transcendent, you know. It sounds petty to talk about it. I understand that. It really does. It's beneath everybody involved. It's just one of those things you talk about if you're trying to guess how the race is going to go. 
because you're trying to guess perception and you're trying to guess how people feel when they vote for someone. I think that both of these actresses have a really good shot. It's just going to come down to the SAG. Who's going to win that? And there's no way Kate Blanchett loses that award. She's just too big of a star. Um, all right. I, I, I personally, I didn't really, I didn't mind either of their speeches, although I do see the problem and raise a lot of people do raise with both speeches. But I do think that Kate Blanchett's speech had a had a had a level of generosity to it and it's in 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 embracing yeah, the other nominees absolutely and yeah. it was funny too it was yeah. funny you know she's funny yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah she talked about the mouthwash <laughs> julia roberts yeah. um uh-huh. and it was such a tar thing wasn't it like her whole speech was so lydia mm-hmm. tar mm-hmm. I thought. <laughs> right <laughs> uh, just one last thing about tar and i know we should do a whole thing but did you notice the part where she's up there and mm. she's flirting with the cellist <laughs> And um and and the girl her wife sees her and and catches it and and uh, the cellist smiles at flirts smiles at Kate Blanchett and Kate Blanchett takes her hair down. <laughs> I just love that. I don't know. She takes her hair down to look more attractive in this one. It's just hilarious. It's a tiny little thing, but it's just one of those things you notice after a while. It's like, oh my god. <laughs> But anyway, all right. Well, I think it was fun, dog barking and all. It was a short podcast. It was only an hour. What do you guys think? Mm-hmm. That was great. I had fun. I loved the yeah. podcast. <laughs> do another it's one my, tomorrow it's night. It's my favorite, right? <laughs> so here's the thing. Uh, dear listeners, we're going to try to aim for every week at Wednesdays. Like, that's our new day. We're going to try for it. Mm-hmm. We didn't, we didn't t- do too much about best actress we'll, we'll try to tackle all that uh maybe there'll be some more breaking headlines next week but um all right well have a good night you guys and uh and it was fun we'll talk soon all right sounds good okay. all See right bye bye thanks for listening to all this and the oscars too awardsdaily.com's podcast on the oscars with a barking dog in the background You can find our writing at awardsdaily.com and uh, have a great weekend.